The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Oops, oops, oops. <laughs> you are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. I'm Rick Welch, and to my left is Rick the <laughs> Rickard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and she's in the studio now, but whenever the podcast starts, you're not going to know because she wasn't here. She comes in a little bit late. Tiziana, yeah. mom, so hard, subverse. Woo! Make your bed. <laughs> behind the glass. And you know what? Wash the sheets while yeah. you're at it. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, behind the glass, Rocket Man, Andy Bishop. <laughs> Yeah. Tiziana out here speaking to every 20-year-old man. Yeah, yeah. So uh, tonight is an odd night. We don't have Billy. We don't have Sarita. We don't have Ralph. We don't have Cherry. Um, all of them had things to do. We're getting ready. Uh, some of the boroughs are heading to the conference up at Virginia Beach. And and so uh, Cherry had to get ready. And uh, some people had some fun things they were doing. Some people not so fun. So it's just uh, just us hanging out. So when we came into the studio tonight, uh, Rick and I just started on a conversation. And it kind of went. And so what you're about to hear is that conversation. And then Tiziana jumped in and then me, you know, we all talked. We, we talked about a little bit of everything. Yep. And I think we got absolutely nowhere, which is pretty much <laughs> par for the course for this podcast. Uh, I, <laughs> I, for one, feel like we solved a couple of the big problems. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just kind of like we solved racism so yeah, long ago. Yeah, done. Yeah, that's neat. <laughs> God, yeah. You guys solved race. I missed that. Yeah, we solved racism. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, Funny, you'd it. think something like that would get noticed, but no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, I hope you guys liked this episode. Thanks for listening. Dang. So, Rickening. Yes. How long have you been a universalist? <laughs> He's frozen. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm kind of. No, I didn't no, mean to put you on the spot. No, I'm just curious. No, like, seriously. Okay, can we can we do that thing? What's a universalist? Uh, universalist means that that everybody's saved. Okay, even yep. you. No matter what you decide, no matter mm-hmm. what you choose, you're you're going to go to heaven. Is it based now, on now? Is the, it based on performance, or is it just based on the fact that Jesus gave His life and therefore? Yes. Okay. Okay. Once Check. he once he done the work, that's it. Now I would probably say, me even me. <sighs> yeah. But understanding universalism is, mic, is probably what, Rick. Yeah, I, he sounds fine to me. I'll turn him up a little. Probably. Oh, I can hear much better. Maybe a year. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. And and that's just. So to, what I'm so what I want to know before yeah. we get into like any kind of a debate, mm. what what made you believe? I, I'm I'm not sold on it yet. And that's why in our discussions, I'm completely open to being wrong. Yeah. Well, well, still, what, what, what gives you the inkling? Maybe, maybe you're not. Maybe that's not your hundred percent. But what's uh, you know, what is what are you yeah, looking like at? Yeah, you have to have a background, which I think is interesting. Let's hear it. I'm I'm very curious. From, I'm not a, I'm not opposed <sighs> to listening to it at all. All right, I cannot I cannot speak for what happens when we get there because, like I we've discussed and I've said many times. I understand the context of being universalist from the moment somebody says that there's like, there's no way that's possible Mm -hmm. because again, we're from a predator's perspective, we're looking at the world and we're going, it's all done. 
Jesus did what he was supposed to do, but from a dispensational view, everybody's looking and go, well, look at all the sin in the world. Look at all the evil. How could he already have come back? And we're going like, but he did. Mm-hmm. We can define it in the Bible that he's come back. History tells us, people tell us, we can define the time statements in the Bible. We can show that from our perspective, as we understand now, mm-hmm. and we cannot not unsee it, mm-hmm. that Jesus did come back. He finished the work. He said it's finished. Mm-hmm. Now, the the fulfillment of what was finished had to happen through 70 AD because there was a contract. There was things that needed to happen to finish out. Paul wrote an extensive amount. So did Peter. So did John. Their time statements are specific. There was an imminence of things going to happen that everybody in the Bible had to go through. They had to go through that tunnel. That tunnel was that war at 70 AD. Mm-hmm. Once everybody went through it, then on the other side of the mountain that they went through, life was going to be different. Mm-hmm. We know that it was going to be different. The hard part from about the different perspective in the, in the conversation that you've had with that gentleman in your email is he's trying to define from our perspective, well, if it's already done, well, what now? Well, in the moment in time that we live in now, we're in a quagmire of basically misunderstanding, a fight over words. We've said that so many times, Mm -hmm. a complete fight over words. Right. And we're trying to say, well, he did come back, but they're going like, well, all this stuff we see right now, why don't we see the new heaven and new earth? Why don't we, there's all the crying going on. All the hurt and pain, right. but God said that wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. So as I as I start listening to all the different things that I listen to from from di- so many different people, just to get different perspectives and 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 even listening to our podcast over and listening to it after we've already done it, I listen to it again, and just the things that I pick up and I hear. Everybody in the New Testament is in a transition period. And they're talking about imminence. The only thing we don't have is we don't have somebody that's va- uh, that we could validate of any new writing because you just stated in a 4.5 that G- that God has said everything he needed to say. Point of order. Did you say eminence or imminence? I, I probably mispronounced that. Imminent. Imminence. Imminence. Okay. Yeah, not eminence, but imminent. Eminence. Or not imminent. Okay. Not an enema. Enema. No. <laughs> I was clarified and then Enemas. confused again. <laughs> so, the, the you know what you you kind of made me think though, um, people who develop, you know, a universalist take on the scriptures. I wonder if they have preterist thought and tendency because most of the universalists I met are futurist. I don't think they probably have a preterist perspective, but they don't understand preterist. Right. I, yeah. They, they most have, of the people I meet are living, but that's those two things don't coincide because dead people avoid me. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, of course. If most universalists are uh, dispensationalists, yeah, yeah, futurists. If most preterists are futurists, uh, not preterists. If most universalists are futurists, I think it's only because most people are futurists. Sure. Right. So that might be like a. Look how many McDonald's there are in in California. Well, there's a lot of people, you know. Absolutely. So anyway, well, I sorry. think since the last, I don't know, I know since my involvement with this great podcast, the the word eschatology has 
has like been a huge explosion, at least in in all the circles that that I'm in, and and as much as I listen to everything, eschatology is getting is blowing up, and most people don't really understand it. I know. I think I think that. They don't understand that word or that concept. Yeah, I think I think that the reason why it's blowing up is because the church never really hashed all of it out. Yet. It, you, to, I agree with you 100%. It's not, and it's yeah. still not. And it will take a, a long while past us, maybe, for them, for somebody to get through it or to get to a, a perspective. One of the big things about we look at, at social media and everything that goes on in such a negative way, but there's also a huge positive undertones underneath it. Mm-hmm. Think of how much the gospel, regardless whether you like it or not, you agree with it or not, but look how much the gospel in itself is spreading, just in general. Mm-hmm. How many sermons you can hear, how many different perspectives you can hear, whether right, wrong, or indifferent, it's all out there now. Yeah. you. The, Man, the, there's a there's a little bit of everything everywhere now. That, I wild. think that yeah, that sounds like an internet. information internet. Yeah, thing. it sounds yeah. like an internet thing to me. Where it's For just sure. like yeah, social it, media, just information, yeah. good, bad, or otherwise, is so readily available. Yep, it's it's a blessing and absolutely a curse. Yes, but you like so. All right, think about this sentence because this is the sentence you probably would hear. Uh-huh. Okay, so Hitler was saved. Right, Adolf Hitler was saved. I'd have to, I'd have to, underneath a quote unquote a universal perspective, yes, even he was saved. Yeah, and that's where I know that um, Ralph, especially Ralph's not a universalist, but Ralph definitely has a heart for. He leans. He does it's almost, almost like in that can, direction. Yeah, not quite. If you, but. if you can, and he's not here, so I, you know, I don't want to say anything disparaging. I wouldn't anyway, but you know, <laughs> maybe I will since he's not here. Terrible, Ralph isn't here. So, <laughs> no, I'm just saying that you know when he talks about, I believe that Satan can be forgiven. I believe that Judas can be forgiven. You know, and there are certain things in the Bible that you know, I guess could make you lean that way if you read the scriptures in this particular way. And I guess that's why I have such a hard time with it like I, when I talk with you about it. Because I totally understand. Like I see, I guess the way that I've the way that I've come to understand it now, and I, and we've learned through testimonies in here that everybody's in a different place. Yes. Like everybody's in a different yes. stage of the path, you know. And that's right. true for all humans, right? So, but if you are a believer, if I meet somebody that's a one-year-old Christian versus a 75-year-old Christian, you'd be surprised. You might find how similar they can be because they don't actually know and study. They just go off tradition and they're happy with it. But if you actually read it and you really try to understand it, it can get difficult. I mean, and there's, you know, I've always asked, I I wanted to start asking our guests, like, what is the one verse that troubles you the most in the Bible? You know, like, you've got a firm... That's an interesting question. Yeah, like, you've got a firm set of beliefs, and this is the way it is, but what is that one little verse that upsets the apple cart in your theology? Like, what is it? You know what I mean? Like... I've thought about it, and honestly, for me, this may... I don't want to... I haven't found one yet, to be honest. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm still completely open again as i see things in the context of stuff i have to be open to everything because if i'm wrong i need to be able to change i can't be dogmatic about it even though i can be on based on what i believe and i see because i've really delved into this stuff Mm -hmm. 
but I have to be at least somewhat open and be honest and go, look, if I'm wrong, just tell me I'm wrong and help me understand I'm I wrong. I mean, I, I think a fun question that I don't know how to get there, there's no right way to ask this, but but what is the Bible verse that you have done the most mental gymnastics to fit into your viewpoint? That's a great second question. Like, how, I don't know how to ask that question to get mm-hmm. people to admit to it because they're— I, you know, it's not going to look like mental gymnastics to them. It's going to look like logic. For me, well, I think that this generation shall not pass away till all these things take place was a big one for a lot of futurists. Yeah, that I, I, knew. I think there's a lot of stuff when you talk about like eschatology yeah, that, that people have to wheedle about. You yeah. have to do some mental verbal gymnastics to to make it work. And, you know, and I think that you have to do the same with any kind of doctrine. Like, I always wondered, like, okay, Calvinists who believe that all salvation comes from God, the only people that actually ask for salvation have been ordained by God before the foundation of the world and were predestined, right? That's a Calvinist. Yeah. And so I always ask them, like, all right, so how about this verse? Um, God is not winning, willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. When you ask that question, like, okay, God is not willing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Uh, how is that Calvinist? Well, I know good Calvinists that can explain it away. I, and mm-hmm. they don't even have to do like verbal gymnastics. They can use like 20 other verses. How would you define the... Yeah, how the, out of context are, are or are not those exactly, verses though? Exa- that's, that is a way people make strong biblical arguments. It is. Just by stringing things out together. Out of context, that, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes, because if you look at the, the word repentance, the word repentance as I was growing up to understand, it was about humbleness. It was about um, asking for forgiveness, um, prayer, um, going to the altar. Mm-hmm. But repentance, in its definition, is just to cha- change your mind, mm-hmm. to change your mind about things, change right. the way you do stuff. Not that you're constantly asking for repentance as a, I need to ask for forgiveness. So it's, it's completely different. Right. When you look at the definitions, it changes. That in itself changes your mind of what you thought it was. Yeah. I mean, so let's look up. This is one of Andy's favorites, he said. Yep. He loves to, uh, the what did you call it, vocab? You love oh, vocab? yeah. I love, I love the new vocab corner. So <laughs> repent means feel or express sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing. Okay. Fear or express, uh, feel or express sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing. Okay, so is there are there any A, are there any sub definitions and yeah. B just curious about the source? Let's let's look. Sounds um, sounds like a good definition to me, but always curious about the source. Um, let's do let's see, more definitions. View or think of an action or omission with deep regret or remorse. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Uh, penitence. Eh, getting on the same thing. Uh, yep. It's a Middle English word, repentier. Yeah, that's about it. Okay, that makes um, sense. Let's see what the meaning of repent. It says to turn from sin and dedicate oneself to the amendment of one's life, to feel regret well, or that, contrition. Well, that starts to look like it's the biblical. thing that, that Rick is saying that how he was kind of— Like how, the turn. The, the turn that he yeah. was taught maybe when he was younger, sort sure. of that terminology sorts to, starts to look well, in that direction. I'm curious how much— because. We're a couple lines down. I mean, listening to, again, um, certain people that you listen to, the pastors, that'll tell you repentance, to repent means to change your mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a Greek word for it. Um, And I can't think of it right now, but I just heard it recently. Um, And it means to change mind, not in the context of that definition that you 
that you read. Mm-hmm. It's like that that definition is almost skewed in itself. Well, it's like we've said, like, okay, so the verse, work out your own salvation through fear and trembling. Yes. We know that the word fear doesn't mean absolute terror. Right. Right? Uh-huh. Um, but trembling. I mean, what's trembling? That's, a that's good pretty question. close to— So reverence and trembling, that means to be in the presence of God is to be something that's unsettling for us, you know? Like, maybe a little shaky, like, ooh. So— Anyway, we got off the topic of no, universalism, one but no, it's one question that and maybe can help define this is what is the context of salvation in the Bible? Mm-hmm. What would be the context of salvation? I I, I don't quite understand the okay. I, I the get you. context I'm, of whose salvation or the context of I'm, all I'm asking, persons. Salvation? I'm asking. Yep, I'm asking Rick, but I'm a I'm no, a no, help. no, no. It's fine. I just want yeah, yeah. clarification. No, you're good. Yeah, okay. That's a great question. The context of salvation to the Bible right. is, quote-unquote, to be saved, right? Is to be saved from what? Your sin. Let's, again, we have to go back to one of the key fundamentals of our hermeneutics is using author, I mean, using author... Audience. Audience. Audience relevance to the whole thing. Okay. Salvation, at the, from the context of the Bible, was to be saved from the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. How would the, their... And you can read through the Old Testament about how the cup was filling up against who? Yeah, against Israel. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, at times, a cup or of a measure would fill up against quote unquote Gentiles because of their disobedience mm-hmm. to what they were supposed to be doing. And when the cup filled up for them, wrath poured out on them. And how did it pour out? Usually it was because of Israel coming in to take lots and lots of water. Yeah, yeah, that was one way. Between lots of water, and then it was after that was Abraham through Joshua, and when they came into the promised land and they took over, mm-hmm. and they just decimated cities and towns. Mm-hmm. And that was, the, the cup had filled up. Well, the context of salvation, as I see it, in the Bible's context, is salvation away from sin against the wrath of God, against Israel. Mm-hmm. If it, If the wrath of God was, again, against the entire earth, at that moment, that means there would have had to have been another cataclysmic event like the flood. Mm-hmm. There wasn't. Right. The only thing that came was became a judgment against Israel. Mm-hmm. And the way for how did you get saved from the old covenant punishment that would lead up to 70 AD? How did you get out of that? Well, you escaped, but you put your trust in Christ and listened to his words and you fled. How, well, you listened. There's, there's certain. If you're talking about from a physical you would, perspective. Well, you had one. In order for you to believe, you had to believe, believe who he was. That's right. Son of God. You had to confess with your mouth. Yeah. And you had to be baptized. What was Paul talked about being baptized? In his, in the biblical thing, he says we have been baptized into his death, into Christ's death. It was a representation. We meaning those that believe. Yes. During that period of time, that was their ticket out of the old covenant. Mm-hmm. And also believing his words so that when they saw the signs of Matthew 24 and his words that were passed to them, and they did, they left the city. Mm-hmm. The, the army they fled. They went to Pella. Boom. Yep. Gone. Got out of town. Right. So how does our salvation line up with the salvation of the Bible? Again, it's about sin. From the context of the Bible, it was sin— but it was Israel's sin. Okay, so, all right. So, 
I think this is where we were talking about last night. A little bit, yes. What was the purpose of Israel? Again, I it, but I what stand was the purpose of Israel? It was they failed at their purpose, which right. Was, but they were to bring the oracles of God. Yes, they were to was, be a light unto the nations. The, the nations' relationship to God would, was going to be through Israel because they were going to be the, the kings and priests of the kings world. Kings and priests of the world. Well, really, not even kings. Yes, just priests. They would still be. There would still be tents. They would still be a tabernacle. Mm-hmm. There would still be possibly sacrifices. Yes, the, under their rule, that's how things would continue. Mm-hmm. Even to today, if they were able to keep it, right, right, but they didn't. So there became an entire process to do away with that system. And see, I think that right, but see that right there is the nugget, though. You see, that's the nugget. That's the problem for me is that we already know. We did that on our episode here. What was the mystery of God? You yep. know, we know what that mystery was. And um, hey, Tiziana made it yeah. in. She brought about, lunch. I can. She brought Din Din. Tizzy, has got this look on her face like she's had it with I twenty six forever. Yeah. If you hear four letter words, oh, um, oh, there. No, 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 no. I was just. That's for you. You select whichever size. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. You got it. So Treats. you're walking right in on a conversation about universalism. Oh, great. Now this is so you don't know what we're talking about, but. Rick is leaning towards being a universalist. Yeah. Okay. And so Andy Tizzy, was can interested. You swing? In- I mean, when you're not eating, yeah, yeah. I mean, just try not to be too loud with the takey takes because other people's mic might pick that up, but everything else will be fine. Yeah. And can I just say After your apple eating episode? Unless you're I don't just feel so bad about it. I <laughs> listen. Unless you're just I, upset about it. That was only in there because I put it in on. Purpose. I honestly don't care about the tink tinks on this one. Like we're okay. Let's just continue the conversation okay. until you're done eating. Because I mean, golly, this could be an episode all to itself. Because what's well, interesting, I think. I well, I mean, I, to, I, don't, I know where you're coming from, especially from the full preterist perspective of fulfillment. Yep. And how important what happened to Israel was. Yes. Right now, that's true to the Bible. How, what happened to Israel was important. Yep. But. I keep going back to like what was the purpose of Israel, and then also the special revelation. Well, their purpose was, but it was done over. The special revelation that was given to Paul. Yep. That said, had never been given to any prophet before him. Mm -hmm. That he was finishing up the suffering of Christ in his own flesh. That was his martyr. Part of that, what we talked about, I went and launched it, and part his filling up was the was a part that was going against Israel. Yes. Yes. But so his but his message that Which, Christ his taught martyrdom. him, by the way. Yes. Personally. Christ personally taught him was that if Satan had known yes. that what was happening to Israel right. would in fact open up this opportunity to the Gentiles, he would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Well, I un, under the context of that, if he'd have known, then that means he he was losing Whatever control he had yes. of Israel. He was losing control of everything. Yes. Well well he was he was centralized to to Israel in 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 their connection to, to God. He had a uh, I don't know if he was a it seems like a mediation. You're he, kinda like the prince of the power of the air yes, over Israel. He was the like, watcher of Israel. Yeah, well I mean so I take it you're not a universalist. 
I am not a universalist. But it's not because I'm judgy. It's because I believe that... You and know, I'm not saying that I, I'm leaning that way because of all the context that I can put together what the Bible says. The man who rapes my daughter does not go to heaven unless he repents and acknowledges who God is and believes. All right, so let's go. And is forgiven. And even and then, I'm not that, excited about it. <laughs> and that doesn't mean that I like it, but I'm saying that we understand that murderers and who, you know all of these people that commit sin— that all of them, according to Scripture, the ones that hold that have that, are cast into the lake of fire. That's where the Bible says that all of this goes. If you don't have Christ, right? If you don't have the atoning sacrifice of Christ right. on you, then you end in the lake of fire. Not, now you talk about the lake of fire being that's Jerusalem. I I cannot because we do not have any context past what was used for them, Mm -hmm. and what was used for powers and principalities that were warred against leading up to 70 AD. Right. So— I'm not saying that it's—it's been the fire— Are you a universalist? I have not done enough research to defend what I think or why, but I have always had a really hard time with— God just going, that one's not good enough. And and I and I hear you. What about okay, Hitler he, and six million Jews? Totally. I hear if you. If he came yes. to Christ, would be forgiven for killing six million Jews. Yeah. I believe that's extreme grace. Absolutely. What? So from a dispensational view, and they say it all the time on the internet, God's always in control. Uh-huh. God's in control. Well, God and, hardened and, Pharaoh's heart. In my in my in part of this control imperative that you're going to put out there, then what's he not control of? If if Hitler is evil, yes, and you're going to condemn him to hell, mm-hmm. would God not be in control of his his actions? That's to been some one extent? of the issues. Calvinism and Arminianism. That's I'm, an argument on the freedom of the will versus I'm, the yeah, sovereignty I was of God. Say, that's getting yeah, into yeah, free yeah, will. Yeah. That's yeah. shaky ground. Yeah, I mean, well, it's an argument that's been in Christian faith well, for, since the beginning. Yeah. Pretty much, Martin Luther like really jumped. You know, really, not Martin Luther, John Calvin. But I will, but but so, but back to your question, Teasy, because I don't bring your mic up just a little. Oh bit yeah, and I then, don't want to get too far you. from this question. What about Hitler and six million Jews? Yes. What about um, rapists? What about Jeffrey Dahmer? What Stalin. about right Stalin? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm, sure. What about Apple? Yeah, corporations. Yeah. Um, you and I only know those people from our experience. We don't know them from their personal experience. And what we do know from personal, from, from research is that most people, um, that enact some sort of level of violence that way experienced some level of violence themselves. They have done they have done study after study on what's called the chronic six, which is that approximately 6% of the criminal population that is repeat offenders mm-hmm. are sociopaths that just have no feeling, have no regard for other people, and just don't care if they cause harm. That would be a part of um, what did, um, uh, there's almost a verse in that where they, um, I think they uh, sear it where, um, we were talking about the heart where they, where you 
it's like when you put a steak on a on a hot plate and you burn it mm-hmm. and you sear it both uh-huh. sides that locks in from the flavor a flavor <laughs> but it part of the the Paul talking about the circumcision of the heart yeah. was to open the heart back up from you searing it with sin with, yeah with, and 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 with blocking your mind yes. from the sin of others so so there's a very interesting so if 6% of the chronically offending population are people that have a mental illness. So first of all, uh, when you have a mental illness, does that qualify you to go to hell or do you just have mental illness? Like that woman who has a mental illness and she killed that lady and took her baby out of her body and right. kept it for herself. And the state of Texas put that woman to death. And her her lawyer said this was one of the greatest uh, um, miscarriages of justice he'd ever seen, obviously not for her family, but this woman has a mental illness. So at that point, we start asking ourselves, what is more important, justice or mercy? Because God is obviously a proponent of both, but at times, what was merciful to that woman to accept that she had a mental illness was would not be, quote unquote, justice to that family. At the same time, you have women showing up at court saying, this man shot my son, but I don't want him to go to jail because enough life has been taken I choose I show this man mercy, and right, we're moved to tears when we see these women do these 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 defend their 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 sons were shot during a gang violence experience. Blah blah blah. I read a book called um, Last Chance in Texas mm-hmm. that was a about a teen rehabilitation program where teenagers who were repeat offenders were taken to this program. They're all under 18. They would start to do um, a psychological evaluation and that way they could quickly discover who the chronic six were. And those were left from the program and actually just like put into forever jail because that's, you're never going to get better. You're always going to enjoy hurting people. That's problematic. These other children, what they would do is, and these people, I don't even want to talk about what some of these kids have done. Sure. What they would do is they would have them after a certain level of therapy and a certain level of being able to participate in the program had been achieved. They would take them into small groups and they would um, have them tell like basically what was the most painful story from their childhood. And then they would have them reenact the story where like they were themselves and they and the people that were in their safe group would play the other characters, my aunt, my brother, my cousin. And then at the end of it, the child would, you know, the teenager would be like sobbing and the group would would hug them and hold them and say, I saw you there. You didn't deserve that. Then they would have them tell the story of the crime that put them there. Mm -hmm. And they would have them reenact that crime with that same group, but as the victim. Sure. And in that moment, all of these kids that had committed really egregious error, I don't even want to tell you, right? Sure. They would experience a sudden and swift remorse as they first connected with their own childhood suffering that they had blocked out and that they had that had made it difficult for them to access empathy because they couldn't first empathy on themselves love your neighbor as yourself your first step is love yourself yeah they couldn't do that they couldn't have any empathy for what had happened to them as a child because they had blocked it out every child psychologist will tell you when children suffer they blame themselves mm-hmm. and so once they were able to reconnect with that child self and create experience empathy, then they were able to experience remorse. Mm-hmm. So when you see egregious sins and hear it, listen, I, I understand. I have two daughters. I would likely just shoot someone. Right. I, I understand. And hurting people hurt people. And people that have mental illness 
do yeah, things that the voices tell them to do. And I think that a God of all things that's creating this incredible universe that the telescope is now showing us is grander yeah, than we could have ever imagined. Amazing? That God was there when that baby was born. That God was there when their mother didn't listen when they cried. That God was there when their father smacked them upside the face and said, don't ask for a My Little Pony, you faggot, which I've heard parents do. That God was there when they were molested. That God was there. And so I don't think that that God then watches that child turn into an adult, make a mistake and go, up. that one's going to hell. I, I can't fathom it because when I look at my daughter, I will always see my child. And no matter how gross and sick and hard-hearted we become, I believe that God looks at us and sees his child locked inside of that sin. And so I, I've never been able to fathom how God could know this is what happened to you and that's why you did what you did and not have at least at least the same amount of compassion that I as a weak human being am capable of having. Sure. I mean, you know? and I agree with you. Like, I get, like, you're right. God was at all of those places. Yeah. You know, in my testimony, I said yeah. that very thing. Yeah. That I was aware that God was aware of what was going on. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. he was. Yeah. And so for me, though, it still doesn't take away from the truth that I've come to know, mm-hmm. which is sin, bad. Yeah, yeah. Christ's atoning blood, good. Yeah, yeah. Now, mentally ill. I mean, good night. I mean, we could probably make a ton of lists yeah. of things that God, we would hope, would have mercy on. I think that somebody who's mentally ill is incapable of knowing what to do. And so, will God have mercy on them even though they do evil things? And you'll have some people look at you, well, did they receive Christ? It's like, well, you know. They don't even know what you're talking about, right. honestly. Right. Um, we have people that are, you know, incapable of doing uh, even basic rudimentary math and thought. I mean, how how are they going to be able to— I used to, to cut hair for the homeless, and one time this lady was like, I was like, how are you doing today? She's like, I'm great. I'm like, oh, what happened today? She was like, I was exercised from a demon. You want to hear about it? I was like, absolutely. I sure do. I absolutely wow. do. You know, it and Sounds she, like a fascinating story. Yeah. And she had this whole thing about being pregnant and the demon was the baby and the, then the she was exercised from the demon baby. I don't know what actually occurred in that woman's life, but like her level of cognizant awareness of this plane that we are all sitting on is was very different yeah. than mine. <laughs> yeah. I was having a conversation. This is going to take a little sidetrack here, but. No, I'll, not on this podcast. I'll bring it right what? back. Yeah, I'll bring it right back, right? <laughs> what? <laughs> so I had a, I was having a conversation with a Futurama. very I got it. Yeah, with a very dear friend of mine, very dear. And uh, it's a male friend and we were just, you know, we when we get to, when we start talking, we just have a hoot like laughing all the time. He has a similar humor to mine and so we just laugh 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 and we were talking about it and he asked about the podcast and and I was like I said, "Yeah, Tiziana is doing this thing. We're getting ready to start on um, we're going to be discussing, you know, homosexuality. He's like, really? Like, well, tell me more. You know, I'm really interested. And I'm like, well, the first episode, I was like, I don't really know where we're going. She's leading it. I was like, mm-hmm. so I'm just going to follow along and try to listen and learn. And then I'll put my two cents in when I can. And I was like, you know, but he wanted to know the two cents. Mm-hmm. He was like, well, so what's your two cents? I was like, I honestly don't have, like, I know what the verses say, but I also don't know the full context of everything. I want to learn. I want to think about it. Mm-hmm. I was like, but I do know that I have to love all things, whether it's my enemy or my friends or my foe or whatever it might be, right? I have Mm -hmm. to love. And I was like, I'm not going to point out everybody else's sin. I'm going to 
point out my own. I'm mm-hmm. very focused on my own. I do, again, I know what the verses say. I said, but in my opinion, um, I'm just going to love them. That's where I'm headed, okay? I was like, that's that's where I'm headed. And uh, he goes, I just found out that my son is gay. And I was like, um, congratulations? Like, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. like I yeah. don't know what to say. What's I was the like, response? Yeah. But yeah. my response was, this was my response. I was like, yeah, love him even harder, man. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. love him harder because— And be grateful that your child felt safe to tell you Yeah, you've got a relationship where they talk about it, yeah. which is awesome. I mean, I guess. I mean, I don't know all the inside. Yeah, sure. Tra- but I, I'm always cognizant of these conversations when I'm talking to people because you always have to think— they could be saying, like, if you come out and you're like, I don't like, like you were just saying, you don't take that My Little Pony, you faggot, you know? Yeah, that hurt my heart so much. Oh, my gosh. That made me so sad when I heard that. I was at a restaurant. So, like, there's a side of me that wants to side with Rick mm-hmm. and say, man, it'd be sure nice if all of us were saved, man. It would be so, it'd be so much easier to know that. What covenant, what covenant are we currently under? We the are in the new grace. covenant. Yeah. Is it partial? Is it partiality? Well, see, again— Or is it under everybody? But the definition of the covenant of grace are to those who who believe. believe. Under the context of when it was during the transitional period of audience relevance, to the ones that believe grace was going to be given. But it didn't mean it cut off at the end of that moment. At the end of the Bible. No, it We're began sti- to grow at Absolutely. that moment. That's what the kingdom of God is. So, Because you didn't have it prior to. Right. Right? Right. So prior to Christ, well, that ex- was not offered. Well, except for God said, I will give grace to whoever I want to give grace. I'll punish whoever I want to punish. Yes. Not but my- it had to come through Israel. So I have this thing, and because I, I, again— not, He said that of his own will. He I'm said, saying I'm about- doing that. God said, I will— I will bless who I want to bless, and I'll punish who I want to punish. Well, yeah, I mean, that's Romans 9 and 10. I mean, that's no, talking that's about— No, that's in Isaiah. But it's also talking like he he mentions e- uh, Egypt and the Pharaoh. Like well, you says, said earlier, uh, who, God you know, Yeah, and he says, you know, who are you if God wants to make some vessels for noble Honor use and some and, vessels yeah. for—that was Paul, Paul, and Roman, you know? Yeah. You, you be be grateful for whatever God I'm God sure it is in Isaiah. Vessels, I'm not, some vessels not, for I'm, destruction is I'm what sure it is. God says. I'm sure it is. I'm it just so not to— Yeah. You can, but I guess like— you know, keeping it in the audience relevance, I understand that. But this this moment, the Bible captures this moment of that transition period. So you have to get to the other side of that, which is in our Hebrew study, where we're heading to that place where that's going to happen. So what does that world look like? What is the new heaven and the new earth? And what is the new city and what is outside of it? So you had the scoffers and the evil people, which were the rest of the Gentile nation that weren't offered a key to the, the kingdom. Uh-huh. They weren't offered into it because they were the tool to bring judgment to Israel. Mm-hmm. So they are the ones that are on the outside of the, the kingdom city that are that have an opportunity up until they die. Right. Anybody born to the born when the, the, the kingdom is established, Christ is on his throne. Once a kingdom is established, in order for you to be a part of that kingdom or part of that covenant. You got to be born to it, unless there's an opportunity to get to be basically grafted in, or there's an opportunity of um, citizenship, which we talked about that path through baptism, confession, and repentance. Mm-hmm. That was a part of the the key of getting into the kingdom. Mm-hmm. You weren't allowed until you did it. Mm-hmm. Well, it none of the how many Gentiles knew about it in in the grand scheme of Gentiles. It may be pretty small. 
Yeah. I mean, there were churches that were planted out that were mostly Gentile, but still Jews. In the first century. Yes, in the first century. They were still there. Yeah, it was the Roman world. So as the gospel spread past 70 AD, anybody that was still alive was given an opportunity to, to to get into the kingdom. Not the earthly kingdom, but the spiritual kingdom of Christ. After. After 70 AD. Right. Because it had to they go, were given. You're saying given the opportunity. Given the opportunity. And then opportunity means choice. Yes. So what about those that don't choose? Well, we didn't get to choose because we were born into it. Right. Yes. Saying that you were born into the kingdom of God. Everybody born- We were born under the age of grace. Everybody so, today would be born into the kingdom of God because he is the, the king of the world, the earth. I want right. to see if I can summarize uh-huh. and then, because I'm- how you are approaching my study on same-sex relations in the Bible, that's yeah. how I'm approaching this conversation with universalism. Yeah. I've always been kind of curious. I haven't spent enough time on it. And again, I don't. I spend more time on how I'm going to live and less time on how what happens when we die. I really honestly don't think too much about that because I get uh, boggled down in this shit. Yeah. And well, I don't know what to do. But let me see if I can summarize. <laughs> All right. There was the period where the covenant of the law was what Israel and all of us were under. Jesus uh, Christ comes on the scene. Well, he's saying not. Not not us. Not all. Just Israel. Now we're stay if we stay the audience relevance, we're always Yeah, it's talking about Israel. Okay. Yes. Anyway. Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus dies and provides this other this age of grace. But there's a short period of time of about 30 years. 30 to 40 years, yeah. Where those two covenants are overlapping That's because right. yes. the covenant of law is still being atoned for by blood sacrifices at the temple. So all of this, you know, the time is coming, the time is at hand that the tribulation is based on was really just this idea that like, basically it's like when you get insurance and you want to get a new insurance and there's a period of time where your coverages are overlapping, but then the old insurance runs out. Now you just have the new insurance. Mm -hmm. That's what you guys are talking about. This period of time. And what you, Rick, Carter, Carlton, <laughs> I get confused because of the okay. reckoning. If everyone didn't refer to you as the reckoning all of the time. No, that's fine. What Carlton, Rick Carlton, Car- Charlton. R. Rick, Carter Third. Uh, it's Charlton too much. Charlton Richard Carter III. Okay, <laughs> Carlton Richard. Charlton. Charlton Richard Car- Carter Third. Yeah. It sounds God, more like man, a title. Heaven. It's like yeah. it took me forever. Okay, so what Carlton say, Charlton. It's, it's okay. not okay. It's unacceptable <laughs> because people call me Tazania all the time. And it drives me up the <laughs> wall. But so what you're so what we're suggesting is that you know whereas Rick is always talking about that period of time, you know, being what's prophesied as the the insurance is l- lapsing. Yes, is where he gets the preterism, and you're saying that insurance lapsing is where you're getting the universalism. That like the the old the end all goal of Christ's sacrifice was to sort of like redeem everybody, like he says, once and for all. Yes. To to align all people with yes. God once again. Yes. And that this whole idea that you have to accept it in order to receive it is yes. also based on the old covenant idea that you have to atone for the sin in order to receive so we're, the thing. So so this the, so it's that period of overlap you're saying um it's almost like we're mixing up because we're reading this like an old estuary book where the salt and the sea yeah. yes. where the fresh and, and the salt run into each other brackish water brackish water and what, and point. for me my yes. perspective as a sociologist for what I bring to this kind of conversation is how that period of time how we often don't understand how important 
national identity was mm-hmm. to this like social structure and how important your place and standing within that your national identity how that affected so much of your mobility and that when Christ is talking about you're part of a new kingdom you 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 know you're 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 brothers and sisters of Christ you're adopted as sons you're not like whatever like to that audience they would have understood that as more political than literal he was saying your your political affiliations are no longer rooted in your national identity or in like the caste system because all of these societies were had had caste systems. You're no longer bound by that. You are now you are now free to enjoy your God given identity, which has been given, which is Jesus was saying is everyone has as a true spirit being trapped inside of a flesh bot. Now you can just accept that and you're no longer bound by the laws of your flesh bot. You can just be a free manifester walking in the glory of God and create heaven on earth. Right. Mm-hmm. To do yeah. on a, to do in, on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. Right. So Adam, we've, okay. we're almost in, a, in the context, we're Adam now. Mm-hmm. We're in heaven, but we don't know it. Mm-hmm. But wait a minute. Because Adam was in, he was in the Garden of Eden. If he'd actually known what we know of the Eden, I don't think he would have messed up. Charlton, you do think that the Garden of Eden story is literal. You don't think it's figurative. You think it's literal, that that literally happened. I'm only taking it in the context of the Bible, that it was an actual place that was created that he was put there. I think Job was literal too. What do you mean? That Job really happened and then it wasn't just like a story. I'm curious because I don't think any of those things. I think a lot of Bible is figurative language. Mm. I mean, it's. I mean, I haven't heard of it being all figurative. It's okay. possible. Okay. But I have always been told that everything in the Bible was basically literal. Right, 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 right. Okay. Which is interesting because by the but then when you go into the preterism, when yeah. you get into salvation, and you're, and you're start- everything switches to figurative. Exactly. Which is why it's interesting to me that you're so capable of switching it to figurative. Mm-hmm. For New Testament stuff, but for Old Testament stuff, it's literal, and I just I just think that's interesting. I don't know which one's which. Well, I th- you make a good point. I think most everything in the Old Testament is literal. Okay. When we get to the New Testament, is where everything is becoming figuratively. Okay. And because the reason it's, why is it's because it's physical spiritual. spiritual. That's yes. why. That's why people make that connection. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Now, could I be wrong? I mean. I believe in the spiritual part of of the New Testament, the flip, the flip. Right, right, right. Now, if 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 it's anything as far as um, as you're putting it in the Old Testament, I'm totally open to that. If yeah, if I'm shown how do that you, could be, do you believe that Jesus literally was crucified and died and was buried and resurrected on the third day? Literally, I do, and which is weird. Because that's that makes me a weirdo. So, no, doesn't. Lo- no. Well, no, no, not in here, not in this room. But like in terms of all the ways that I am a very practical person, and I'm like, well, right. let's talk but about Jonah the laws of being nature. I genuinely the whale think sounds like a story, not something that's realistic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, because it sounds like otherworldly and supernatural. <sighs> yeah. Right. But. A man dying and coming back to life doesn't seem as supernatural. I, I mean, know, it's supernatural, I know. but it's it doesn't believable. make any sense. But see that, I guess. <laughs> no, it's okay. I know. No, it's the okay. only reason I bring it up is because, like, I believe in the literal stories being told that these oral traditions that were passed down. Mm-hmm. But I understand where you where you're coming from with the figurative, and the reason why I say that is yeah. because you've got this being that is giving information to the things that he's created. Yeah. And he's explaining specific things. And these these people that are writing these books, whether they're 
hearing a story of something that happened of old, and so they're sitting there and pinning it down. Mm -hmm. Job didn't write the book. Somebody wrote the book during, I think it was Second Temple literature, actually. And it's so strange. Or maybe how it's did, oldest. How no, did, it's the oldest book, actually. I mean, that's where the inspiration comes in because they're declarative, because they're looking at so many different perspectives and no, and write in specifics, uh-huh. you know, that Satan went before the throne of God and, and talked to him. Yeah. That they <laughs> were so like, like they were there, right now. <laughs> like they were right there in that conversation. Like this is really getting a, boring. <laughs> I have a self-consistent view of the uh, stories in the Bible. That's what I'm thinking. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah they're all parables. Well, yeah. I think I mean, and I, I and I said this when we talked about Ruth. I'm not necessarily super married to the idea of the stories being figurative or literal. I don't need the story to be literal in order to be awed and amazed by it. I read The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho like probably every three years, and it speaks to me as powerfully as some of the Bible stories. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a parable. It's a, it's a figurative story, but I believe it was God-inspired. And so I feel the Spirit of God in it when I read it. So I don't necessarily have an attachment to it one way or the other, but— um, But what is interesting you know, is if it's figurative or if it's literal— the purpose of it being written is to tell you something about the creator. Yes. Absolutely. And our relationship yes. to creation. So whether yes. you look at it to as creator. a figurative Amen. story, yeah. if you get the gist of what the story is about, then yeah. you get the gist of who God is. And that's why I don't have an attachment to it. I just wanted to clarify because no, yeah. I wasn't sure. Well, we're from our from our perspective, mm-hmm. we're taking basically everything figuratively because we're trying to make an application to us. Yeah. And then you do such a great job in Ruth of taking that app, Ruth's events, and applying it to what us today. That would be f- taking it figuratively. Mm-hmm. But when you read the story, it's possible that it could be literally happening yeah. in, in, in history. But again, the figurative part is how we apply it and to us. And I think us. the reason why— That's actually a, a really, well, that's a really solid point, frankly, yeah. to me. And, yeah, and I think that if—so having to believe that it's literal— if it if it's not literal, does it make it any more or less real? No. See, but I think that's what the problem is. I think there's a lot of people that think, listen, I'm looking at this Bible like it's directly from God, and if it's not literal, then this is just a bunch of hubbub. Right. Instead of looking at it like, okay, this is how God has revealed himself through mankind, through mm-hmm. the telling of stories, through these oral traditions, and there were people who were alive. Maybe all of the things that you're reading weren't exactly how it went, and they mixed some things, or a couple yeah. of authors wrote in the same book, or whatever was going on, some school of thought, you know, like mm-hmm. the prophet schools. So if it didn't literally happen, is it any less real and important to a believer. And well, some people say yes. And some yeah. will say no. I don't I mean the answer is no, it's not any less important, but what it means and what the story is meant to teach us does change significantly in my opinion. That's yeah. that's true. And what that's you why take it's important, especially a, if yeah. you're a female and you've spent your whole life being blamed for the fall of mankind. Right. right? Like you know, it's yeah. like from yeah. when you when yeah. you when you are when you are the bad guy in the yeah. story, right. right? You tend to approach that story like a little bit differently. And and so rather than— Why do you than, think that is, actually? What do I think what now? Why do you think that that happened that way? That like, Eve and Adam and all that other stuff? Why, why do you think that men thought it was important to write down that women caused men to fall? Because I think that what happened is a specific thing happened between two people. Adam was bitter. And, yeah. 
<laughs> he needed somebody to blame. And well, and 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 that has no, but been we're talking about transposed. Something that has went down for thirty five hundred years here. But here's the thing: like, what happened was between Adam and Eve. That has been turned into what happened between all men and all and women. Thirty five hundred years from when it was written is what I mean. Yeah, not yeah. when it yeah. happened. Okay. Yeah, of course. So what we're talking about is the relationship between two people, between Adam and Eve. And it's been turned into a story about like the whole relationship of men and women in general. But for me, because Adam and Eve leave the garden, they leave the place where things are perfect and things are in, a, they are walking in alignment, not just Adam, but Eve as well. I know the authors say God walked with Adam, but that's just because it was written by men. Likely God walked with Eve too. Yeah. He walked with people. He walked with his creation mm-hmm. closely. And once creation left that relationship of intimacy with God, both male and female created he them in his image. Yeah. When they left that space, I believe that what when they became subject to the rules of law, women became subject to the rules and law of the way that men do things, which is to subjugate women. Uh-huh. It wasn't like but God was so weird saying because at the beginning of the book she's the solve. Yeah. Which she's the solve of the whole problem. Yeah. So God makes all the things. Right. So here's my everything and says it's good, yeah. but there was only one thing that wasn't and it was that man was alone yeah. and he didn't have a helper. Yeah. Now, does that mean a slave? No. It meant a companion, someone to join in his labor together and to Yeah, a partnership. Yeah, a partnership. And and so what what so when God curses, quote unquote, when God curses, quote unquote, I don't I don't believe that God is saying, and now this is gonna happen because I'm cursing you. Uh-huh. I think God is saying, once you leave the nest of walking in perfect relationship with one another in accordance to the way I've created things, yeah. you're gonna experience walking with one another in accordance with the way the world does things. Because the thing is, in reality, in my brain, the world was happening all around the Garden of Eden. Yeah. The world was already there. That was it was all going on simultaneously. Yeah. And God I've, was I've saying, I've just talked with this guy about leave, this very thought. It's pretty wild. Well, because man. nowhere in the Bible does it say that they married their siblings. Right. They took wives from their from and from somewhere. Not in the Bible. Nowhere but, does it say but that. But there are apocryphal books that talk about sure. it. Sure. When Cain says, Anyone who finds me will kill me, who the fuck is anyone? If the only people that exist is your family, then who is anyone? Then he goes and settles in the land of Nod, not an empty place where there's no one and names I, it Nod, I, a land already called Nod. So what I think, I agree. I think that the world was going on simultaneously. The story of the creation of of people is the story of God creating the idea of 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 us of a soul being created by God in God's identity with God's power and how God walked with that with with those entities before they were like as you said stuck in a skin suit. Yeah. Right? So what if So when they left there and went out with great pains, you will give birth to labor. What happens when men are in charge of childbirth? I'll tell you what. What, you know, your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. How, the, how does the world do things? Women are subjugated everywhere, all over the world, all of the time. Yeah. And we, and we, we want autonomy, but we live in a society that doesn't grant it to us easily, all over the world, yeah. right? And so I don't think that God is saying, oh, I'm gonna do this thing to you now. And women, you're going to have to now submit to men because I said so, because you're the one that deceived. God's saying, oh no, 
You've broken perfect relationship with me. And now you're leaving my perfect Garden of Eden where we all walk together the way we're meant to. And you're going out into this crazy, awful world that I, you know, am hoping to redeem at some point. And these are going to be the consequences of that action. Yeah. And it's been twisted into women deserve to be subjugated. Women deserve to suffer pain in childbirth. Women deserve to be less than because of Eve. I mean, and it's so, no different than reading the Gospel of John and becoming an anti-Semite. Mm, People take the Bible out of context all the time. Exactly. But that's why I'm saying for me, it's not a literal story. It's a, so when I and when I allow my brain to go, okay, this is like an allegory for a thing. It's the allegory for the natural development of the the world and creation versus the God-breathed soul. And again, this is a whole other thing. We can talk about the mitochondrial DNA. We can talk about the fact that there were several prototypes of human before Homo sapiens sapiens arose out of Africa, and that it has been suggested now that since all of us are Homo sapiens sapiens, although some folks, especially up north, still have up to 4% of Neanderthal DNA in their body. It's pretty rare, but it's very rare, but it's a thing. So we know that Homo sapiens sapien was the end game of the development of humankind, but there have been several prototypes. So if God created Adam and Eve and that was the end, where did all these prototypes come in? Like I live in a world where there's dinosaur bones and I need to explain that. And so for me That's the Nephilim, bro. But for me, (laughs) I'm just kidding. I never got to do my April. God created. God, God created the perfect human being, Homo sapiens sapien. That's who we all are. But again, there was Neanderthal. There's like the pygmy people. There's the Homo sapien, which is the original before Homo sapiens sapien. Well, Cro Magnon, man. Some, you had all these prototypes. But some of that could come from the possibility because one, I agree with you, and I, and I feel that a lot of the context that we see in the Bible today, through the writing, is is because as more as I read, as I broaden my scope of reading material outside of the Bible mm-hmm. that has connection to the Bible, mm-hmm. changes my thoughts about how it was built together. Mm-hmm. When we get more into the Book of Jasher, and I showed him a couple, yeah, couple contexts. When we do that, yeah, we're going to do some pseudepigraphal. When stuff. you get into some more pseudepigraphal works, and you start to put the bigger picture together, I agree with you that I think that there's possibly. I agree with you from the context of whoever put the Bible together today, mm-hmm. subjugated women. Mm-hmm. They wanted to. It's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. You can look at the Bible, and I'm, I'm, from your perspective, I, I would be angry to read the Bible because every time you read it, women are just bashed. Not every time. There's some really good stuff in there. It's also a reading of it in a lot of places. It's a lens. It's yeah. a lens yeah. in think a lot about, of places. Think about our lens on that lens. When yeah, you yeah, start yeah. compounding the lenses. Because we got to wrap this one up, I guys. Know do you do. know what time it is? It's already been an hour. What time is it? It's time for lunch. If you guys watch Bubble Guppies, you don't have a two and a half year old at home. <laughs> yeah, we could go on and on. But What time is it? It's time But for thank lunch. you for what you do because your perspective helps broaden my knowledge of mm. what we do when we do this. Oh, we all learn. Well, I, we all learn from each other. I mean, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm totally. It's fascinating stuff. And I, I don't, the thing is, I don't have answers. And now I see, but darkly as though through a glass. Then I shall not fully, even as I'm fully known. None of this is going to make any sense right. until I've like shaken off this mortal coil and done the thing. But you know? reading, reading Ruth from a man's perspective mm-hmm. versus listening to mm-hmm. Ruth from a woman's perspective, mm-hmm. or even Samson's perspective and Delilah, mm-hmm. when, the, when you did that, mm-hmm. I'm like, 
dang, I'm, I never never could have even thought of that. Mm. Yeah, because oh, I didn't awesome. I didn't yeah. have the tools to do that. that. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had a vagina. <laughs> Did I go too far on that one? Sorry. There's so, a lot of work. That's what I hear. So, so yeah. I guess I guess for me, like. Uh, and we, we can, totally went off on a tangent. Didn't we get did. To it. No, but it's good. But I think that if we can, for me, I always bring it back to this. Like to me, it's so incredibly apparent that Christ wanted us to love others right. and to do so not in a fake it till you make it kind of way, but to true action, hard work, effort, learn, and do the action of love to all people from all walks of life and everywhere. I mean, that to me, that's what I see. So if you can t- train children up in the way of the Lord as we understand it now, the scope of the world be infinitely better Yeah, than the mess we're teaching now. We know. Well, I mean, if you think the whole place is going to end in fire <laughs> all the time, if that's what you're concerned with, you know, especially the majority— that believe that, that it's going to end in fire. Although there are some scientists, a lot of scientists that have put an end date. 100,000 years from now where the, the Milky Way colla- collapses. Yeah. So it may be, I mean, that maybe there well, is actually doesn't collapse. It collides end. with another well, galaxy. I, I no, think that the, would probably be quite warm. No, but I think they're coming, yep, they've come up hot. with even further, not just because of collapsing the galaxy, but because of the way that um, our ecosystem has been uh, oh, yes. ravaged since the Industrial Revolution and all this other stuff. There's like this idea that basically we're just in palliative care. There's no way to save the earth now and we're on the downhill slope. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know who Greta Thunberg is? Yeah. I watched that thing. I didn't know she was autistic. I had no yeah. idea. Mm-hmm. What a what a neat little girl. Mm-hmm. That was so yeah. cool. Yeah. Anyway, so guys, thanks for listening. Tiziana, I'm glad you got to eat in front of us. <laughs> yeah. Rick, Rick uh, actually has a wig on tonight, which is pretty sweet. It's so distracting. Andy, I need to get I... you to take a picture of this uh, with and without oh, you for the website. Me, let my okay. hair down. Yeah, he's I know, to let I his hair it. down. Well, it's mostly just a rat tail, just so everybody— It's a, it's a mullet. It, yeah. 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 Well— Thanks, Rick, and Tiziana, Andy, Thanks. for everybody for being here. And we will talk to you guys again next time on the Burroughs of Berea. Hey, guys, this is Rick from the Burroughs of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burroughs of Berea. You'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys.